Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 124 of the Grand Prix Show for coverage of the U.S. GP from Austin, Texas. I'm Robin Warner. And I am Jim Lau. And as many of you know, who've been following us on Facebook and whatnot, uh, we were at this race. This was, uh, you know, the triumphant return of the USGP. Uh, we were at the last one in Indianapolis, and uh, we made it down to this one. And we are actually right now on the road, uh, on, headed from Austin toward Dallas and eventually on our way back to Michigan. But uh, figured we wanted to give you the, the freshest uh, podcast we possibly could. So here we are. So you may hear some uh, road noise and hopefully uh, nothing more... Uh, crazy than that, but uh, Robin is driving at the moment. I am. I am co-driving and, uh, you know, managing the, the podcast rig. Jim has many Apple devices in front of him, and he's managing them all exquisitely. I uh, guess not, nothing's on fire, so I'm we, doing okay. Yeah, we are currently on I-35 northbound. Uh, I don't know, I think close to an hour and a half outside of Austin now. Uh, we kind of were a little squeamish about hanging out um, in lines for the two or three hours it might take afterwards, so we shot out of there as soon as we saw Lewis Hamilton driving his parade lap, we shot out of there and, you know, had a very brisk walk to the shuttle. And we managed to get out ahead of the vast majority of people and, um, uh, you know, relatively traffic-free. And we're kind of in this heavy traffic now, but it's all moving. It's just a little bit on the heavy side. So. Yeah. So for those that uh, haven't followed us online or whatever, I do want to give just kind of a quick run through of the weekend. Might not uh, be a bad idea. So we uh, we drove down here. Uh, it was on Wednesday. We left uh, from Michigan in the morning and uh, drove as far as just to get into Texas. Uh, we stayed overnight there and then came to Austin uh, for basically Thursday afternoon. Um, and so we were at the track uh, Friday morning or early Friday afternoon, whenever that was, uh, to see some of free practice. And it was the, our first taste of kind of how, you know, what the transportation is like to and from the Austin track. I think that's the big fear, uh, or certainly was the big fear going into this whole thing, was, uh, you know, so many people, it's an unproven kind of thing, and there's not a lot of roads. It's sort of out in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Uh, I mean, it's near Austin, but there's, you know, a few two-lane roads to and from. So, uh, you know, we wanted to just... We first saw it on Friday, and it was sort of scary because it was just Friday practice, and yet there were lots and lots of people, and they were, you know, the lines were quite long uh, to, like, you know, getting to the track was worked pretty well, although we did kind of have to go, you know, shuttle through lines. So we drive to an expo center uh, parking lot, park there, you know, kind of directed around where to park in that area, then walk maybe half a mile or so to um, a big queue to, to get on buses. Uh, then the bus ride is about a half hour or so uh, to get to the track. Actually, we... the lo- to be fair, the longest bus ride was 25 minutes. 20, 20 to 25 minutes usually is where we were at. Okay. And, uh, and then it was about most of a mile walk from where the bus drops us off to actually get into the track. And then to our seats, we're actually not that far from there, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, if, we were, if we were sat on the other side of the track, um, I don't know if there's other entrances. I don't think there were. Everybody was on these shuttle buses, so we would have had to take some kind of mo- another tram to get around the track or whatever. So, Well, all the common folk anyway, um, you know, you could have as comfortable a Formula One experience as you were willing to pay for. And, you know, we were uh, not willing to pay for very much. So we, uh, we had the lines to the shuttle and everything else. But if you wanted to spend $800 a ticket, you could definitely have nicer seats. And if you wanted to spend more than that, you could get, you know, hospitality. And you could uh, pay for parking to be parked right at the track. Or you could uh, really go all out and get helicoptered in if you wanted to. We didn't even look into that much <laughs> pricing because uh, that's not quite how the uh, Grand Prix show is budgeted. But anyway, it was, uh, it, was, it was an experience that I have to say overall 
it was a very positive one. We were impressed with how smoothly the shuttle system went considering the volume of people they went through. Yeah, there were always lots of people, but there were very few times where did anything ground to a halt. It was like, uh, you know, lots of people, that were, but it was, it was moving. It was people loading onto buses. This right lane's open, by the way, if you want to get over. Is it now? Yeah. Um, I don't know why this guy's on the left. Yeah. Okay, because, huh. yeah, it hadn't been for a while, and then I finally gave up on it, and look at that. Yeah, no, no, we're making it happen. Um, potentially a cop around here, though, so keep an eye out. <laughs> anyway, uh, there, there's there's a bit of that. There. Uh, we, are, we are driving. Um but yeah, so you know, it was it was very well organized in that regard. But uh, there was a lot of people there for Friday practice. I've never seen, I don't think, ever stands that full for Friday practice. Um, and it just has to be because it's a brand new track, and it's been five years since anyone in the U.S. has been able to see Formula One live in their own country. Um, and there were probably a lot of people that were there just because, or maybe had Friday tickets only, even just to kind of see what it was about. Uh, you know, there's yeah, certainly some people definitely. that weren't even F1 fans, and this probably happens at every race to some extent. But I think at a new area, uh, there's you know not had a Formula One race anywhere near there in, in forever. Uh, so yeah, there were probably a couple people there just to kind of check it out. And uh, very well attended for Friday, which was cool. And then right from that, I was, you know, kind of, and and, and actually we went downtown Friday night to sort of see what uh, what was, you know, the, the downtown Austin experience. There was this whole Mobile One fan fest and uh, all kinds of displays and vendors and various things set up uh, around in town. And it, it made me feel good because it's that's sort of that economic impact that everyone with the circuit promised would come into Austin. And I think we saw that play out. You know, we're yeah. not going to know any numbers or anything like that. I mean, it'll be, you know, maybe months before uh, everyone has sort of analyzed everything and see what the overall impact is and all that. But um, it just, from even just as many people as were there on Friday, let alone qualifying or the race, um, it already looked like, all right, people are buying into this. Uh, there weren't any, you know, empty grandstands at all. And it was... Uh, it was really cool. And and then just to see, you know, Austin uh, get taken over uh, to some extent by F1 uh, was, was also really cool as well. You know, it's uh, it, it was funny. Some of the setups that were there was there was like a Pepsi and, and one uh, that was sort of clearly their same, the same booth that they would take to uh, to a NASCAR event. And it had these, you know, oval track driving simulators and right, stuff in right. it. And, you, I think you mentioned, you know, nothing, nothing says F1 like NASCAR. Yeah. Uh, so there was a little bit of that kind of overlap uh, in terms of uh, marketing and whatnot. But uh, overall, it was just, it was cool to see all that. And there were, you know, all the restaurants had special things and DJs going and, uh, uh, you know, various different things to try to eke money out of all these visitors. And it seemed yeah. like they were working pretty well. Oh, and eke money they did. I, the one place that we uh, declined to enter wanted a $25 cover just to get in because it was going to be so amazing. And we're like, because yeah, DJ so-and-so was spinning on one room and DJ yeah. so-and-so was in the other one and whatever, so I don't know. Right. But uh, it was uh, it was cool to see that. And then actually Friday night as well is when we uh, ended up uh, seeing Will Buxton, the pit lane uh, reporter for Speed yes. Channel, doing karaoke at this uh, Irish pub. Some song about a monkey. Yeah, it was really kind of bizarre. The video is actually on our Facebook page if you're really that curious, but, uh, it, you know, whatever. It was not Curious George, by the way. That's not a clever pun. Yeah, um, but uh, that was part of a, it was sort of, Buxton's big blowout bash or whatever it was called, uh, and it was a uh, there was a donation to get in to cover charity, which that I don't mind nearly as much, you know, as yeah. uh, and it was five dollars doing that, yeah, five bucks to, towards Meals on Wheels. That's a good cause. That's all worth doing. Uh, and uh, but there was a karaoke contest. Uh, none of us partook in the contest, uh, but there was uh, you know there were prizes and all that kind of thing. But it's basically yeah. Uh, but after I mean, based on what we heard, I feel like we could have gone for something. We maybe yeah. Uh, it was it was bad. Uh, they, and to be fair, there may have been some better people. We we hung out for a little while, but when yeah. we could sort of no longer physically move uh, by being just surrounded by humanity uh, and, and very drunken humanity at that, uh, we just decided to, to move on. 
so anyway, that was sort of a bit of the a bit of the weekend and the Friday, and actually on the Friday after practice as well. You and I did walk the entire circumference of the track in terms of all the all the grandstands. You know, we yep. toured uh, basically all the grandstands, went in and out of the different areas. You know, hiked up turn one, as it were, and uh, just to kind of see what the views looked like. We have we have tons of pictures, um, and uh, it was it was pretty cool. And uh, the uh, and, and I guess the other thing that struck me about uh, Friday evening was it got properly cold. Um, at, you know, once the sun goes away, uh, it's been pretty breezy and actually not really hot. And it's sort of this interesting phenomenon, I guess, with Texas, where there's very little cloud cover in general this time of year, and the temperatures aren't that crazy. I mean, we're talking sort of maybe mid-60s, maybe low-70s, right. Right. Um, but just really, uh, really beating down sun. So if you're, you know, wearing a long white sleeve t- uh, long sleeve white T-shirt, uh, you're in great shape. You're reflecting it away. You get the breeze. You can actually be a little bit chilly. Uh, but if you've got <laughs> a, uh, a, a black uh, jacket on it of any sort on, it could uh, really roast you. Um, but... Overall, I, I mean, the, it was beautiful weather for the weekend. I mean, it wasn't so hot that you were sweating all the time. It wasn't so cold you needed to be all wrapped up or anything. Uh, it was just, you know, we, there was definitely a lot of sun, especially in our grandstand. Uh, we, you know, uh, got a little bit, little bit crispy, but uh, did, you know, work on the sun protection in the second couple of days, and uh, I think we did okay. I would agree. Not, yeah. in, not in too much pain there. So, um, in, in stark contrast to probably what we would have had if this Grand Prix had gone down in June or, you know, as, as paired with the Canadian race. Oh, which we was, would have had dead people is what we would have had. Yeah, I mean, heat it, stroke and dehydration and the like. And just a miserable time for everyone who survived. So the fact that it's in November, really, I'm, I'm on board with that. I think it's great. And uh, also, you know, it's, it's paired with Brazil, obviously. We're, we're sort of setting this up for the uh, season finale. And, uh, you know, as the uh, results came today, uh, the championship is still open, which is great. It's yeah, obviously favors Vettel. He's still in the lead, and he extended his lead a little bit today. But it's not clinched. And as we know, those Renault alternators aren't always the strongest. This is and, true. And uh, it's never over till it's over, which we've, we've learned from years past. So um, that's, you know, it was a, a, a fun thing to to kind of take part of being this part, you know, late, in, late enough in the season where all the championship implications are really clear and really pretty well figured out. Yeah, and for me, it was quite a Friday, we kind of just soaked it all in, and we had a really long day. We got to the track relatively early, but we stayed until the very end of things. We watched the Ferrari Challenge Series. We watched the Porsche's Super Cup Series. Or GT3 Trophy Cup West. GT3 Trophy Cup West. You took the words right out of my mouth. It's like a lot of of words. And anyway, we were basically there until track closed and and toured the uh, circumference, like Jim said. And that put us in these long lines to get out of the track. And uh, then we went straight to do the night stuff. And then Saturday, we took basically the opposite approach. We didn't get there until basically right before qualifying. Then we left more or less right after it. And, uh, we watched that, some of the Ferraris that day, too. That was, we watched uh, that a little kind of, bit of Ferrari. Like one of the actual races. Um, so it was interesting. We were, you know, Part of what we were doing was just kind of getting a lay of the land of how this track's going to operate and things like that. And um, it was interesting because uh, you know to do Formula One the way we did on Saturday to kind of catch, catch the qualifying and go was actually uh, a lot of fun because... Uh, we got to see what we really wanted to see, which is the qualifying. We got to see Vettel own it, which was incredible to watch. Just how much he had control of the uh, of the field in terms of qualifying pace. And uh, then we had lots of time, so we went and um, we went and we got uh, we got dinner with our host, uh, with the people that lent us their house very kindly. We um, got to spend time with Jim's sister. We uh, went shopping for that long sleeve white shirt that Jim kind of mentioned. I mean, <laughs> that was very pleasant. So, 
uh, but of course, today uh, was the race itself. And really, I mean, being at the race weekend, and I kind of said this to you, Jim, a couple of times. It's like, yeah, you know, in a way, I kind of miss being at home in, te- in front of the television. I'm having a hard time absorbing everything. You know, you're spending a lot more time on the different websites to try to get filled in. But then for the race itself, man, it just makes up for it and then some in a big way to be able to be there and see it and react to it and be with the crowd. So fantastic today. Yeah, as we were talking about, it's just a very different experience. And, of course, those of you who have been to F1 races will know this. uh, But, you know, I I like to be real plugged in, kind of having, uh, you know, as as much information as I can if I'm going to be at the TV, you know, when I'm watching endurance races live and stuff. Because a lot of the F1, uh, because we want to watch them together. So every once in a while we'll be able to watch them live. Like, well, I think we'll be able to do Brazil live because it's uh, on a good time zone for us. Certainly hope so. But it's pretty rare that you and I can can both uh, arrange our schedules such that we can be together in the same place at the same time, ready to watch race at seven or eight in the morning and then uh, do everything that goes along with after that so most of the races uh, we, we do after the fact but for a lot of races I like to be real plugged in and you just kind of can't follow that I mean I think uh, with if you had a fan vision thing that's that's the way you would do it at the track is like uh, formerly kangaroo tv you know that's the little handheld but device you like can see 100 bucks a day or yeah, something yeah you can right? see the video you can see all that but then I feel like it's this divided attention between, um, you know, are you watching the screen and then I guess you you watch the screen for nine tenths of the lap and then you look up when your guy is, he goes by and you go back to the screen. It's just, you know, not quite the experience we were after. So somewhere in between, maybe if you had, um, you know, the the radio or some you know something feeding in as, as audio that you could listen to while you're still seeing what's going on around you, but. The whole point for us uh, really was to just experience this, be a part of this first return to, uh, to the U.S. And, uh, and you know, just the, the sound that you just don't get at home, the feeling of the cars, even, and actually, but I didn't get until the race, uh, but the smell, the Pirelli tires, you know, this thing, yeah. all these guys do locking and the up exhaust fumes and all that. And, yeah. It's just it, the first time it kind of washed over me. I was like, this, yes, you know, this is, this is that, that experience. It's called coming back. Oh, and I mean, what was great was, you know, when we finally got a chance to clean ourselves up a little bit before our five o'clock lunch, there was little bits of like oil and rubber on my face. I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's, that's what I want that's to see. That's the stuff, yeah. So our, our seats were in uh, the, tur- the turn 12 grandstand, and this is at the end of the back straight. So it's the end of the DRS zone. And where a lot of action was on track today. So, uh, and, then, and then we could also see the complex for 12, uh, 13, 14, 15, and then kind of off into 16 a little bit. Um, but because of the layout of the track, we could actually see across to turn one because it's so high elevated. We could sort of see over another grandstand to see the cars going around turn one. It was pretty far away, but we could actually see that. As well as through some of the S's, which I think would have been 7, 8, 9, something yeah, like that. Yeah, 6, 7, 8, I think is what we could see. So there was actually quite a bit where you could sort of see what was going on or see who was coming along. Uh, and then certainly the, the best stuff was right in front of us was was these you know end of DRS passes. The most important, which, of course, was uh, Lewis Hamilton, who had been stalking Vettel lap after lap after lap and just getting closer and just getting closer and then using DRS and getting closer still. And, uh, you know, every time we'd be, we'd be kind of watching the monitors uh, as, as we could and then seeing, oh, they're coming down the track and people will stand up and start getting all excited. And, yeah. Oh, not yet, not yet, you know, next lap. And then eventually, you know, Hamilton put the pass on and uh, and then made it stick and was able to hold on to it and then come out with the win. It was just super exciting. That happened right in front of us. Um, Mark Weber's alternator failure happened right in front of us as well. Yeah. A lot so, less dramatic, but it did uh, did go down that way. We got to see, I mean, Lewis Hamilton himself entertained us quite a bit because even before Mar- uh, Mark Weber's alternator fail, we got to see Lewis Hamilton pass Mark Weber at the end of turn 12. We got to see... Um, 
what quickly became a two-car race, which was incredible just how much quicker Hamilton and Vettel were than everybody else, pulling away from Weber and Alonso. And, um, you know, once Weber's failure, well, then the contrast was even more stark. And uh, then we got to see, just like Jim just mentioned, just Lewis, what was so fantastic for us was, like, oh, Hamilton's just getting a little closer. Oh, he's a little bit farther away. Oh, he's a little closer. He's a little closer. And then there was, like, you could hear the murmurs along the crowd of, he's in the DRS zone. And then you could hear it on the announcer, oh, Lewis is in the DRS zone. All of a sudden, he got way closer. And then the, then the pressure really came on. And then that ebb and flowed for several laps. And then to finally see the pass happen, the whole stands uh, totally came up in an uproar. And it was very exciting. And it was a lot of fun to watch. And uh, uh, great to see. And everyone just really appreciated just the phenomenal racing that was happening in front of them. I mean, think to, I mean all respect to Sebastian Vettel, the two of them together put on a fantastic show for us. Yeah, and I think in, in a way, as I was saying, you know, everybody kind of, uh, you know, had, had something to smile about with this race. Not everybody won, of course, but, um, you know, the title it wasn't decided here. We get to move to Brazil, so we get that drama and excitement happening in Brazil, uh, which I think is a win. Uh, then, you know, Lewis Hamilton uh, actually, you know, making a pass for the lead, which is, is maybe a little bit lame that uh, one pass for the lead is, like, really exciting for us in Formula 1, but, but it was an on-track overtake, not just it was a strategic a good move and all that, and we could see it getting set up and see it happen and all that. Um, and then Alonso, uh, you know, who, who was uh, originally going to start in like ninth or something, but with penalties and everything moved up. Uh, and, strategic uh, penalties. One no strategic less. penalty and one not. Yeah. And, uh, you know, was, was moved up. And then to, for him to get on the podium as well. I mean, obviously there's always Ferrari fans. And, uh, it, it, you know, that was, you know, some just some good news for, for almost everybody. I mean, I guess Weber fans would have been a bit put out. Um, and then the other fans that were there in full force would have been Checo Perez fans. Uh, and there were many. This, uh, you know, in, in many ways could be considered the Mexican Grand Prix already uh, with uh, just so much support for Checo Perez and, uh, like, just so much Spanish being spoken around and, you know, people supporting Alonso, people supporting Pastor Maldonado, people, of course, supporting Checo <coughs> Perez, uh, lots and lots of fans. And I think he probably got the biggest reaction uh, in the driver's parade of anyone. And, of course, there's, you know, there's lots of fans of Ferrari, lots of fans of Schumacher and, and everyone else out there. But, uh uh, you know, Checo, and especially you know, being geographically close to Mexico, and uh, all the all you know, all the Spanish speakers that, and uh, you know, Mexican people that live in in Texas and around the area anyway, um, just lots and lots of support there, and uh, they were really excited for their boy, and uh, and you know, he didn't do that well, but uh, well, yeah, you know, I mean, he did he, he did solid considering yeah all the mess he created uh, for himself on Saturday. I think he did respectably well, and but uh, what was interesting, of course. Ferrari was well rep represented because they always are in every place. Um, tons of Ferrari right everywhere. But I was actually surprised with the amount of McLaren orange. Uh, there was a lot of McLaren support, certainly around us. Um, so that was interesting to see. And speaking of, uh, the other person I want to talk about was Jensen Button. After yeah. such, a, such a brutal qualifying where he just underperformed compared to his teammate, he had a great race. He did some really strategic stuff. We got to see a couple of fantastic passes. He pulled a really great pass on, was I believe it was Kimi Raikkonen, um, where he went um, underneath him on that super tight hairpin turn 15. I think I've got that right. I know we passed someone there, and I think it was Kimi. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, we got to see a lot of really strong performances to go from 12th to 5th um, in the way he did. I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant drive to watch. So both McLarens, it was a great day for McLaren fans because both McLarens did amazingly well and, uh, and then also 
we actually sat right behind a group of like five or six um, Finnish guys, obviously raging uh, Kimi fans. They were a little disappointed, but uh, still can be happy with a solid. I think it was sixth place he ended up with. And uh, considering considering all the up and flow that was going on, I think that's another good result for them. Yeah, I think so. And just, you know, the, other, the last bit about the uh, the track that I'll mention in a kind of our seats is uh, we had, there were sort of two screens we could see, uh, one closer than the other, kind of not, not directly across from us. But what there is in that little infield section uh, between turns, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, um, was just a timing tower with a top 10. Yeah, and that is which it, didn't even update very quickly. No, but it was I think so much so much more helpful than just because you know the screen sometimes will show the results, sometimes they're showing replays, sometimes there's different stuff, and it's really small and kind of hard to read. But just having that, um, and I think maybe it, it, even if it only updated every lap, I don't think it did it by sectors. Um, but that was really helpful, just especially once we could, you know there's lap traffic and to kind of uh, you know figure out where you were in the scheme of things. Um, I felt much you know had a much easier time uh, kind of following what was going on, especially with the top ten, of course. Um, by uh, you know by having that because we did not have that in uh, in Canada and I don't remember I mean there is a giant tower at uh, Indy but that one just shows people's numbers and because you know numbers are nearly as big of a thing in F1 as they are in IndyCar or NASCAR or whatever right. I, don't, I don't know all my favorite drivers well numbers. we're all used we're used to the three letter acronym yeah. thing that's like something you see it's fairly ubiquitous in Formula One so they had that on that top ten and you're right that was very helpful yeah so uh, so that was that worked pretty well and. Uh, you know, I think that was that was helpful to, to sort of follow stuff. And as you said, um, we decided to bail on on the, you know being in the seats and all that. Um, basically, right after Lewis came past us, and you know on the on the cool down lap, and he was waving around, he was super excited, of course, and uh, just kind of uh, soaking it all in. Um, because at that point, um, you know, the we were away from the podium. I know a lot of people, um, or, or certainly I overheard some people talking about, they would go to the start finish straight away or as close as they could get with their tickets to try to see the podium ceremony and all that. Um, but we figured, you know, either it's either watch it on a screen or kind of be, be part of this uh, sort of huge scrum of, of people, and uh, and then that would just only add to the, uh, the the exit time and you know both getting out of the circuit onto the buses and then leaving the parking lot to get on there. Right. So I, I feel pretty good about what we did because we can go home and we can watch the podiums and which you know, is what see, we're gonna do. I see mean, what it that's looks like. exactly what we're gonna do. So. Yeah, we don't we don't know anything that was said at the podium yet or anything like that. But uh, we don't know who swore it at, at all the little children or, <laughs> right. or whatever happened. Yeah, um, I'm curious uh, of what your thoughts were on the opening ceremonies. It's the you know we got the kind of the traditional U.S. treatment um, for any major sporting event, you know, football, whatever. So uh, I'm sorry, uh, this is American football. Um, so I was uh, personally, I felt pretty good about it. We had the um, we had the uh, guys uh, doing the parachuting in. They had the U.S. flag and some other things going on. They had uh, well, yeah, there was a marching band. The University the, of Texas marching band was there, which they had um, the video on the screens all around the track, but they didn't have it mic'd at all. So I could see the marching band going and all the people marching with their instruments and the cheerleaders out front and all that uh, but not hear what they were playing at all because it was you know it's a pretty big track and we were just far enough away well at that that's point. why you pay sixteen hundred dollars for the uh yeah. main grandstand so seats. in that regard it would have been nice to hear what they were playing and know what uh, what the heck was going on there uh, but uh yeah i so that i guess seemed fine although it would have been nice to uh to know <laughs> to, to hear that um but then yeah they had the uh they had sort of three guys uh parachuting down which 
I mean, I guess it wasn't terribly dramatic because it's, you know, there are three little dudes in the sky. I mean, we do have, you know, the flyovers and stuff, and it's, it's you know, the sound and the size of a plane and all that. And, uh, and you know, having these guys, I guess it was cool. You know, the one guy had a big American flag being right. draped uh, from him. And, uh, but then I think the timing was a little bit off because then they, they finished the national anthem and then it was like a couple of minutes of sort of, oh, look, there's that guy in the air before right. then we got these planes doing a flyover. Well, and it was a pretty windy day, so what is what it is. And the flyover was interesting. I didn't know, I didn't know if I liked it because, you know, I'm just a sucker for things rocketing through the air really fast. And we didn't get that. We had uh, Or really giant things going slowly. Or really, really giant things going slowly. And we got neither of those. We had... Beautiful planes. There's two P-51 Mustangs and something else. I'm not even sure what it was. And then an F-16 kind of trailing behind them. And they were beautiful. They were cool sounding. But it was really funny because you could tell that the F-16 was basically idling along in the air, just like barely moving. And these other planes were just kind of moving along as best they could. Yeah, it was nice, uh, you know, just kind of the whole experience being there. They do the national anthem beforehand. Everyone gets all excited. And uh, and then, you know, we have we got the plane fly over. And, you know, the, the announcers at the track um, were not bad. It was uh, some guys that are on Speed Channel not doing F1 usually, but uh, doing some of the other races. And uh, so, uh, you know, knowledgeable guys. And, uh, you know, I think they did a pretty good job. But just, you know, building the excitement of, like, you know, you know we've got 30 seconds. When the lights go out, we are back racing Formula 1. You on the United States for the first time and blah, blah, blah. And it was, you know, it was actually it was pretty exciting. It was uh it was a cool moment, and then uh, you know we had we had the race on from there. So if they um, were really smart, though, they wouldn't have said, "Oh, we're racing again." They would have said, "Vamanos, vamanos!" Ah, there yeah. you go. Yeah, I mean, it, it was there was a lot of Spanish being spoken. There's no doubt about it, and they were okay. There was definitely a couple of times where we're like, "Oh, why would you say their uh, wings are moving up and down right there?" It's like, "Well, that's DRS." You know, there were a couple of moments they're like, "Okay," but yeah, I mean, considering everything, I think they did a very reasonable job, and uh, you know. It was uh, certainly plenty exciting for us to watch. Although, you know, I definitely still have that sense of, you know, I know the results, but it's almost like reading about, reading the highlights. You know, it's like I got to see some really interesting stuff, really exciting, but I still don't really have a feel of how the race played itself out. We don't know what, we know that a couple of, you know, we know Alonzo had a long pit stop. I think it was Kimi Raikkonen had a long pit stop, but we don't know anything else really you know yeah I just recently learned that Weber's failure was an alternator failure even though it happened right in front of us it basically looked like he just kind of you know slowed down straightened up and then pulled off his car off and stopped and we didn't have any other information about that so the, the other thing that was interesting I mean you, you said about you know kind of these uh sort of super stupid setup questions talking about DRS and things like that. I mean, it was interesting to be back amongst sort of, you know, normal F1 fans. You know, I think uh, our the, our listeners on our show, I think, are more clued into what's going on, and we can kind of, uh, you know, when we have conversations on the Facebook page or on, uh, on Twitter and, and various things, we get listener feedback emails. You know, these are people that, you know, know you know about curves and about DRS and about, you know, tire uh, tire compounds and all that kind of stuff. And it's interesting to sort of see um, all the people at the track who, you know, are there either because they're super diehard fans and they know everything about it or because they got tickets through work or because they, you know, maybe they're married to someone who's excited about it or whatever. So I think there are a lot of people that are still just kind of, yeah, there's cars and there's going around and the red ones are Ferraris and, uh, you know, I, I like 
you know, I wanted this guy to win. You know, Vettel apparently is really good. There, I think there's a lot of people that are probably not as clued in about it, so maybe they do need to uh, explain that stuff. But, uh, you know, I think in this case, uh, the DRS was, was really great because it meant, you know, us being at the end of the DRS zone um, did help in the, uh, in the on-track passing action. Of course, we've never done a U.S. race without it, and it was probably designed, you know, track was sort of designed with that in mind, so uh, that works out I pretty mean, well. Absolutely, you know, we have a, you know, kilometer-long um, straightaway, so... Anyway, yeah, it was, I, I agree with you. I, I do still feel like over over time there's just a little bit too much dumbing it down. And uh, perhaps partly it was because the announcers truly didn't know, uh, at least Jim Cramer. He's much more in tune with the NASCAR stuff. Jim Cramer, the uh, stock market guy from CNBC? Whatever his name is, oh, it was Frank something Kramer. Kramer. Yeah. Okay. We, so anyway, well, <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna watch the race. Um, I don't quite have the resources to do go through all the listener feedback and whatever. Now, I think we'll probably roll that into a sort of sort of an expanded Brazil show, and that'll be oh, our season absolutely. I mean, season wrap up and all that because that's in just a week. Yeah. Well, there was definitely some really good, excellent, uh, really good, excellent, <laughs> some excellent feedback we got from the last race that I definitely want to go over, but we just physically can't. We're going 80 miles an hour in Texas dealing with Texans. So um, we've got plenty on our plate right now. However, I think we are we are able to predict what we think is going to happen for the last race. Yeah, uh, well, so we can first go over predictions we had for this race because it's actually an easy, easy enough uh, run of predictions for us to do. So, uh, as of the last race, you, sir, had uh, predicted that Vettel would be on pole. I did. And you were right, and that Vettel would win the race, and that you were wrong. <laughs> Couldn't be happier about being wrong there. And I had predicted that Hamilton would be on pole, and I was wrong, but that Hamilton would win the race, and then I was right about that. So, uh, we each get one point, and uh, we can both be pretty happy about it. Neither of us uh, got, got hosed on predictions. Yep. Um, and uh, all, both were, were reasonable, and both ended up only being one point wrong, so that was cool. Uh, the statistical model had, I think, Vettel for pole, um, but then Raikkonen for the win. Weber for pole. Weber for pole, okay. And uh, Raikkonen for the win. So I, I, I do actually have access to the Internet right now. I can pull up the predictions page on Facebook and see what all went down, but... Uh, Craig the Kilt Wilson, shout out to him, predicted a pole for Vettel and a win for Hamilton and got zero points. Wow. I the Kilt and, strikes again. Yeah, I and a bunch of other people um, predicted Ham Ham. Uh, you and a bunch of other people predicted Vettel Vettel. And uh, so a lot of us got one point, and then a couple people had some other combinations in there, uh, like Hamilton Alonso and uh, Raikkonen and Hamilton and various things. But uh, so Damien had Hamilton Raikkonen. That's right, it was a Hamilton poll. Um, so he had six points, uh, the stat model. So, again, uh, victory for the humans yes. uh, over that. But that doesn't matter. What matters is the future and predicting results for the season finale in Brazil and also passing this Acura. Yeah, for heaven's sakes, just left lane freak over here. Just because you have a personal license plate doesn't mean you get to stay in the left lane. Is that a knock on personalized license plates? Because that's, that's how I rule. You don't, but you don't hang out in the left lane. It's a no. knock on people with personal license plates that hang out in the left lane. Uh, that combination is a bad one. Got it. Okay. Predictions. What do you, uh, are you ready to make a prediction for Brazil? Of course. And what do you got? Here's the thing. I want to put, and I'm dead serious here, I want to put Masa Masa. His form has been phenomenal these past few races. Masa legitimately outqualified uh, Alonso. In many ways, Alonzo uh, Massa outraced Alonzo. It's just that Alonzo had benefited from 
what Ferrari did with uh, Massa's transmission. Yep. And uh, that put him on the dirty side of the grid. And uh, <clears throat> uh, Alonso had a really good first corner, first lap. Despite all of that, Massa ended up right behind Alonso in uh, in the race. You know, third and fourth. That was just a phenomenal result. Brazil is his hometown and all this kind of stuff. I, it would be terrific, ter- terrific to see him win. And I think he could do it. Ah, the town all of Brazil. That said, there's zero chance that's going to happen because um, if unless there is nowhere for Alonso to go, Massa is going to do everything they can to help Alonso out, which means that any likelihood of anything like that happening is basically going to fall out the window. So. Who's gonna be who's gonna be the guy is the real question. I really as much as anything for just uh, because it's kind of a it's kind of a pinnacle, it's a point in history in a sense, which I know you don't like that phrase. I'm gonna go Hamilton Hamilton. I wanna see Hamilton end his career at McLaren with a win in a poll. So that's what I'm gonna put. Alrighty. Uh, so I think that that's reasonable. I've got to be kind of cautious now. I'm in the I'm I'm eighth in the overall predictions leaderboard coming into the uh, end of the season here. So that's epic, top ten. Uh, yeah, that's not bad. Um, behind uh, Tony Drake, who's uh, still in the lead there, Louise Marks uh, misses the kilt. Is yes. uh, is a solid second place. Uh, Reese Milford, Julie McKenzie, Neil Popham, the <coughs> prediction stud himself, Cliff Cottle, and uh, Bernard A are all in front of me. So I've got to outsmart all of them. <coughs> Um, Karthik Kayan, Karthik Kayan. Yeah. He's due. He's due. When's his turn? Um, yeah, so... Sorry, traffic. And you're, you're even the one driving, and I'm distracted by the traffic. Yikes. <laughs> I don't know, though. I mean, uh, I, you know, Vettel for pole, I really don't see any reason not to put him on pole. But the question <clears throat> is, is he going to go on to win the thing? Um, now, I'd hate to agree with... Um, Damien completely and go Vettel Hamilton but I actually don't think it's that bad of a plan I think you know Vettel knows it's for the championship um, if if Vettel scores the only way that uh, that Vettel doesn't win the championship and that Alonso does is if Vettel himself scores zero points and Alonso comes I think first or second right right I think we worked that out right or um, if Alonso wins Vettel can score a couple of points and still lose because okay. there's 16 there's 16 points between the two of them right now yeah so it's <clears throat> very, very likely that Vettel will be able to, uh, you know, be in the top couple of places, uh, score a few points, and uh, and you know, and, and tie yeah. that up. So Actually, he doesn't though, need to be. Now that I say that, I'm not 100 percent sure about that. It's 18 points for second, and is it 15 points for third or 12 for third? I think it's. I don't know. If it's 15, then he's only 13 back. Because we should look this up. Yeah, we point should is, look it up. Point is, it's you know. <clears throat> Vettel is in a very good spot, he is. and he knows it, and he doesn't have to go crazy fast pace to you know to, to take home the championship. I think he's uh, got the kind of head on his shoulders where that's what he's going to be thinking about, rather than complete outright pace, uh, like even today, where you know he said he you know there was a, one article that said uh, Vettel felt he was held up by Kartikeyan and uh, that that's what helped uh, Hamilton to get up to him and around him, uh, which with, I think is with, lame yeah to whether say, that but... is or it isn't whatever, but. The point is, you know, he still did fine for his championship today. Uh, you know, he extended his lead. He was still way in front of Alonso. That's all that really matters for Vettel right now. And uh, I think it'll be the same thing there. So, I don't know that he's, uh, I don't know. I'll go Vettel, Vettel. Let's, I'll, you know, I'll just, we'll swap. Wow. Your predictions okay. from last well, week, my predictions from this week. Um, I, I think if he's not first, he's just going to be right near first. Uh, unless his alternator goes out, in which case, yeah, all bets are off. By the way, if... Uh, 
if you guys are on Facebook at all, you'll know that we enjoyed uh, some fantastic Brazilian steakhouse last night um, for uh, as part of uh, our Austin weekend. Um, that said, having Brazilian steakhouse much more than once a year isn't good for your heart. And uh, so we're probably, we're probably good on Taste of the Race for Brazil in that sense already, just so you guys know. So we're ahead of the game. Right. We fully encourage everyone else to go for it. But uh, we're probably going to do something just a touch simpler um, for the sake of our wallets and for the sake of our, you know, cardiovascular system. Yeah, and I think Taste of the Race, when you're at the race, is pretty easy. Uh, and so, every, you know, everything we had was in and around the Austin area. We Absolutely. Got, we got some uh, Ruby's Barbecue the other night. Yes. We got some Mexican. You know, we got, uh, we kind of mixing all the, the flavors. And, of course, Austin is this, you know, great mix of flavors anyway. So uh, I feel like, you know, that what's... I guess it's a bit of a cop-out, and it's a bit of the best possible way you could do Taste of the Race. You could look at it either way in terms of, you know, if you're Whatever at the race. Whatever you want to say, yeah. I guess if you're at the race, what you, the taste of the Austin race would be you wait in line for like an hour for, a, you know, nachos but then or a burrito, but then you find out that there's no meat for the burrito. But then there is meat for the burrito. But then eventually the there is meat for the burrito, but then it's not actually all that good. Right. So that maybe is taste of the... Well, there was meat, but no condiments. Yeah. <laughs> Which apparently, like, sour cream and, you know, salsa is a condiment now. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. So uh, we, we've, we've done our Taste of the Race. We saw actually a couple of people online have posted tastes of, tastes of this race, um, including um, someone had a cheeseburger. Uh, All right, which is a bit, uh, Like you a know. cheeseburger feast. And actually, I'm not, not sure that was on our page, but uh, somewhere I came across that, like, oh, it's America, cheeseburgers, which, all right, fair enough. I know. mean, yeah, it's, it's you know... It's generic, but it's also what we've done for other countries, I'm sure. I mean, China we, would be like fried rice, really? Fried rice? Yeah. So, so anyway, um, we'll, we'll have more about uh, other people's tastes of races and uh, listener feedback and those kind of things in the coming show. But uh, I think we can, we can sort of wrap it up there. If you haven't been to our Facebook page lately, uh, then, uh, then visit that because we've posted some videos and some photos of us there's and all that. There's a thing in 1,700 feet. Yeah, what is that? There's a hazard on the side of the road. A hazard. A hazard Do you sort. think it's going to be like a busted up? Laundry bag again. That like like we object, had on the way down. Object on road. Yeah, no, but it warned us about that though, so that was good. Uh, so anyway, well, we're gonna we're gonna leave that back to this uh, back to driving and co-driving here, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So uh, keep in touch with us at funwithcars.com. Uh, there's links to all the uh, you know all of the episodes of the podcast. You can actually go back and listen to our 2007 USGP coverage if you really feel like it. Oh yeah. And uh, oh yeah. And keep up with us in the meantime. And basically, uh, we'll, you'll hear from us in a week with coverage of oh, Brazil. Bloody Until then, oh, there's a truck. But if you can make geez. it around him in time, you can just. Traffic, Texas. You're getting you're getting ahead of yourself, but he's getting back over, so you may be able to make this work. Ooh, ooh all right. Ooh, We're ooh. gonna wrap it up. I'm gonna sign off. I am Jim Lau, and I'm Robin Warner. <laughs> Drive safe.